0: This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions, fighting out of New York, standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall, and wearing the red, white, and blue trunks, presenting Kyle Brandt!
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you, Bruce. We are wasting no time today because this is a really, really good one. If you've never listened before, if you haven't listened in a while, it's 10 questions. There are exactly 10 questions worth 10 points. We don't have guests on this show. We have contestants and they compete. We've had some good ones. For the sake of you, the listener, as well as today's contestant who is currently listening in our green room, let's give a little context to some prior contestants on this program to see if he can take these ladies and gentlemen out. Hit it.
0: I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I got six out of 10. Hi, I'm Paul Rudd, and I got a seven out of 10. I'm Tim Robbins, and I got seven out of 10. Just saying. I'm Joel McHale, and I got an eight out of 10 because I have not seen the movie Stuck On You.
1: I'm Guy Fieri, and I got six out of 10. because Kyle Cheats. I do not cheat. I merely host, and I am thrilled to host this gentleman. Give me the music, please. Today's contestant likes his ribeyes exactly one and five eighths inches thick. He grew up wanting to be the great John Riggins. One of his co-stars has said that when you hang out with him, you drink a little more, you feel a little cooler. He is spearheading the Wild Turkey with Thanks initiative, which I would love to get behind, and we're gonna talk about it. And this gentleman says that if you do this, it lowers your voice, it relaxes you, it makes people think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. it is my privilege mm-hmm, to welcome Mr. Matthew
0: McConaughey to 10 Questions. What's up, Matthew? How we doing? I love the intro. I thought I was gonna want Bruce's intro, but now I hear yours. I'm glad you introduced me instead of Bruce.
1: Oh my gosh, well that's a huge compliment, Matthew. Bruce Buffer is a legend and the voice of 10 Questions I'm so excited to do this with you. Um, before we get into it, Matthew, you have a great life. You got a beautiful family. You got a little wild turkey in your glass. How, how's life, man? How you feeling?
0: Relatively speaking, good, sir. I mean, we, uh, we're still trying to not bump into this COVID thing. I've got my family, three kids, wife Camilla, my 88-year-old mother, Kay, is with us and has been with us for seven months. Um, I'm in a pretty fortunate position though. My pantry's full. I don't have to work today to pay my rent t- tomorrow. Like a lot of people do. Um, but overall we are doing pretty well. And I've been doing a virtual, uh, uh tour with my book, green lights, <clears throat> doing a virtual tour now with the wild Turkey with Thanks. And it's good to be talking to you today, man.
1: Good to be talking to you too. Green lights is incredible. We're going to talk about that too. I want to make sure Matthew, I want to make sure you know what you're in for. Okay. 10 questions. This is a competition now, and I know the athlete is in you. We're going to have to reach down and find your, your inner major apple white, and we're going to let this thing rip. 10 questions, okay? all of which are somehow related to your life and your career. I'm going to ask you a question, Matthew. If you get it right, you're going to hear the following sound. Hit it. All right. If you don't get it right, see, that song is badass. Matthew's already playing air guitar, but if you don't get it right, you hear this sound. Mm, Yes, that's your crestfallen public. We don't want that. You also have one ace in the hole, my friend. If at any point you hear the, and these questions are gonna be a little weird. If you got no clue, you guys say, I don't have any idea where to go with this, call for the coin toss and I'll narrow it down to two choices of which you can choose A or B. You only get to use it once. It's that simple. Are you ready to do this? Let's roll. Let's roll. Question number one with Matthew McConaughey. Again, the questions are somehow about your life. Matthew, your category of question one is travel. A famous unattributed quote from the 19th century urges you to do what, young man? Go West. He says go West with a little head bob. Is McConaughey right with question one? Oh, yeah. We are on the board, my man, Matthew. (laughs) You went West. Two weeks after graduating from college, you packed up a U-Haul and drove to California to pursue the dream. I wonder if I was riding shotgun with you and I had leaned over and said, McConaughey, what do you want to get out of this? What, what is your dream? What is your definition of success for
0: chasing this California dream in Hollywood? What would you have said? Great question. I would have said um, my, my dream in this is to go be so much myself out of here in, in this place called Hollywood where you can be whatever you want to be so much myself that I'll be an original. And the only McConaughey you can get is if you get me. Mm -hmm.
1: So it wasn't, man, I want to be a huge movie star and I want to save the girl and I want to have superpowers. It was more about your own originality on
0: that city? Yeah, it was about saying, look, I I love telling stories, love being being a storyteller, and now I'm going to go out and try to give it a go at doing it in front of the camera. Um, But I didn't have an idea of like, oh, this is the kind of movie I want to be in. Oh, did I want to be a movie star? Sure. Did I want to be a successful actor? Yet, I also wanted this. I wanted to go, I'm going to go out there and I want to play my, my game in the business of Hollywood. And there's a difference. Sometimes there's a game to Hollywood too. But if you play, play their game, it, <laughs> you can look up 10 years later and go, what the hell happened? Um, so what you get out there in Hollywood, and I noticed as a media, is you get infinite yeses. Now, we all know too many options can make a tyrant of all of us. Um, so I had to navigate those, enjoy that heck out of many of them. Um, and at the same time go, uh, you know what, can I, can I be a, go be a good actor? I didn't think about movie stars as much as I said, can I go be a really good actor?
1: Mm. That's why you're still in the game. People show up and think movie star. I look at you and I picture you showing up in the nineties, handsome as hell, charismatic, but that's 10,000 guys. Did you struggle at first to get work?
0: I didn't actually. No. No, i tell you what I did do. Um, you okay, a quick lesson before I tell you about how yeah. I did get my first two jobs. I get out to Hollywood sleeping on the couch of a man named Don Phillips. He's the guy I met, introduced myself to in the bar in 1992 in Austin, Texas, who cast me in Days Confused, yeah. my very first movie, which ended up being now not just a hobby one summer, but a career. I get out there, I'm sleeping on this couch. I got a U-Haul and I got 2,000 bucks. Okay. We're getting down to about 12 uh, 1,500 bucks. I start <laughs> going like, hey, Don, and I, I, and get me, can you get me a meeting with the agent? And he snapped at me and goes, shut up. Shut up. I tell you, this, if this city sees you, if Hollywood sees you needing it, you're done before you ever got started. What you need to do is get the hell out of here. Forget about Hollywood. Forget about needing this place. And when you're ready, I'll get you a meeting. Well, me and my buddy Cole Hauser and Roy Cochran, sure. economy class tickets to Amsterdam, rode motorcycles uh, through, through Amsterdam for four weeks, came back. I didn't even think about getting an agent, nothing. And after about a week, Don comes up, he goes, you're ready. I go, for what? He goes, tomorrow morning, got us a meeting with the agent. I go, oh, really? He goes, you see, you don't need it. You just want it. Be cool. So I remember showing up and uh, uh, was very relaxed in that meeting, very confident. I wasn't like, I got to have it. I got to have it. And I got the meeting, I was represented. The first two auditions I got sent on, Angels in the Outfield and, and uh, Boys on the Side, I actually landed the gig.
1: Big movies, right yeah. off the bat. Yep, right off the bat. And you attribute that to, in part, to you and Hauser and Cochran in, in, in Amsterdam. And you got it out of your system and showed up and you were just chill. Showed up and
0: was chill and was able to, you know, I, be myself. Look, I've learned it later in my career in different ways too, after having a family. When all of a sudden things happen in our life where we can make that which which we need the most or feel like we need the most, when we make them number two, Mm -hmm. we can actually be a lot better at getting what we want out of them because we don't have the pressure of they are the end all be all. And if I don't get that, then I am done. So that, that, that helps a lot.
1: Matthew referenced the the pressure of being number two. You are now on question number two, one for one. We got a completion to start the game, a little short win in the flat, we're moving the chains. Question number two, Matthew, your category is bowling. You like to go bowling sometimes? You familiar with bowling? Somewhat familiar. Somewhat, all right, that's my sweet spot on 10 questions. Matthew, your question, number two. Rolling three consecutive strikes is commonly known as rolling a what?
0: You can check. their strikes and baseballs. Um, You're out. And uh, um, oh shit, I don't know. Is it some, some, um, no, give me the give me the AB. You want to go to the coin toss already? All right, McConaughey wants
1: the coin toss. Give it to him. All right, McConaughey. Here we go. If you roll three strikes in a row at whatever bowling alley in the world, is it known as rolling a goose, or is it known as rolling a turkey? Goose. You say goose. Goose. Unfortunately, Matthew, that's incorrect. It's it's rolling a turkey. And why, why would I ask you about the turkey? Because I'm
0: drinking wild turkey, long range. Because
1: rant. we're drinking wild turkey, my friend. I'm going to pour some right now. I, I'm not even kidding. We haven't had drinking on this show since Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers was in episode one. I'm going to take it neat. I got some turkey because you are with the wild turkey with thanks. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. brother. Thank you so much. Tell you what. Tell us about wild turkey with thanks. I'm going to drink. This Now we got a show. Tell us about
0: this. Oh, it's a deep pull from McConaughey on his drink. I'm going to have to keep up. So Wild Turkey with Thanks, about four years ago on my birthday, yeah. I'm a creative director over at Wild Turkey. So about four years ago on my birthday, I was like, you know, what are the new ad campaigns that we want to do? And I went to the Russells and said, well, look, what about if we come to a turkey giveaway in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, right there so, where, where Wild Turkey's made, and we go around and give turkeys to people that can't. Wouldn't maybe not have a turkey on their own Thanksgiving, et cetera. And then we thought it was a great idea. So we went there and we did that. Had so much fun doing it. Saw how happy people were to receive a turkey. Tears in people's eyes. And oh my gosh, we delivered them door to door, thousands of them. Then we said, all right, well, each year, why don't we go find a way to give back? Or with thanks, show people gratitude. And, you know, there's never a shortage of places to show people gratitude. Every year you've got crises everywhere. So we had the... You know, the hurricane went down to Houston and barbecued and helped out those first responders. We uh, went to L.A. the year after that and helped out first responders during that the, um, were on the front line with the fires. And then this year we said, all right, in these COVID times, let's highlight four individuals in America that are giving back to their communities that aren't asking for a light to be shown on them, but are giving back to their communities that are showing an unwavering conviction to go, I'm going to give back to my community, something that they need. And we found four, four people that are doing that that are um, uh, creating jobs for people in their city that are given necessities, COVID things, uh, diapers, backpacks, yeah. clothes for communities that don't have them, um, putting musicians and a lot of hospitality workers back to work and getting them getting them jobs in this time when they've lost their job mm-hmm. and so that's what the uh, the with thanks is about and you can see those full stories they're actually they're really cool on a uh, wild turkey Instagram page
1: I mean you just hit so many things from from jobs to to diapers to th- this type of year it sounds like an unbelievable cause go to the wild turkey Instagram page you can yeah, find out, it more. out They're cool stories Oh my gosh! I'm totally intrigued by that, and I'm. To- I got to be honest, Matthew. I-, I have not drank a lot of wild turkey in in my time, but this is real bourbon. No apologies. I mean, that's, this is real good. That's the real juice. Look when
0: when 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 the sort of the, the nation and the world went through a little bit of a white spirits time. You know, they've been watching a lot of James Bond, so they said, totally white spirits, babe. That's fine. You know what I mean? Give me and my gin back, and, <laughs> and 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 then there was people wanted bourbon light. Oh, I don't want my bourbons too. Maybe a little too harsh. want it light. They went through a light phase. Wild Turkey, especially the 101, said, look, this is our horse. This is our 101 mash. This is real bourbon. We're sticking with it. So as soon as people here a few years back came back and said, we want real bourbon again. Here was Wild Turkey going, we got plenty for you.
1: That's so good. I love it. And I'm going to drink it for the whole damn show. Matthew, you may have to finish the last part of the show because I love this. It'll find you now.
0: I love it. I'm I'm, I'm one out of two, and I've already used up my bonus question because I didn't get to the that it's turkey, not goose, because we're talking about wild turkey. Come on, Makani, I didn't know. These aren't
1: the great goose people, these are the the wild turkey people. (laughs) (laughs) One out of two, we're going to question three. You're gonna love this one. Matthew, this category is finish your line. I have a line from a movie that you've done. I'm gonna play it, and I'm gonna stop. And when the line stops, you finish the line, yes, okay? I'm going
0: to so, say, if I said it, I'm betting this is going to be really easy.
1: Let's find out. Let's see. We have Paul Rudd. He had Clueless. Tim Robbins got the Shawshank Redemption. I'm going to find a line that you, now it might be from U571. It might okay. be from one of my favorite movies of yours, Frailty, which I fucking love. Okay. Let's find out. Play the clip and Matthew McConaughey, you're going to hear the clip stop. You finish the line. He's already smiling. Looks a little nervous. Matthew, finish your line. Hey, I've been,
0: man.
1: Hey, man, whose car? You know Wooderson? Oh.
0: How's it going, man? Hey. Pretty good, how's it going with you? Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> Be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> got it! <laughs>
1: He's got it with the laugh, and we needed that laugh, brother, at the end. That is part of the line. Absolutely. Oh, it's was great! The second you heard the low rider tune, you your body completely yeah. relaxed. I knew I had this one.
0: Yeah, I knew I had this one. If there's a few you could have gone deep on that. I've been like, oh, geez, I had no <laughs> idea.
1: Yeah. No, I gave you a belt tie fastball, Matthew. I, I love Days and Confused. I, I I love you. I love Cole Hauser, Jordan Lloyd Adams, Jason Lennon, all of them. I've probably seen it a hundred times. And I know it means a lot to you. If, if you're sitting around on a Saturday, maybe a football game's at commercial and you're flipping channels and oh my God, Dazed and Confuses on, will you stop
0: and watch it? I'll stop on that one. I won't stop on many of my films, uh, but I'll stop on that one because it's also one of those movies that you can step into it whenever. It's sort of like uh, Tropic Thunder. Sure. You can step into that whenever and yes. watch how much, and get just a piece of something that goes, <laughs> awesome, badass. And Days is one of those movies where you can grab, even if it's just one scene in that commercial break and go, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, the story is legendary. I, you, you had three lines in the movie as Wooderson ended up just kind of milking it and working it to three weeks uh, work. Here's what I find fascinating. So many years later, you and your wife have a charitable foundation named after a line from that movie. You have a clothing line named after it. Yeah. You, you win the Oscar for playing an amazing movie about a man struggling with AIDS. And during your speech, you quoted and referenced Dazed and Confused.
0: Why does that movie mean so much to who you are? Well, you know, all right, all right, all right. First three words I ever said on film in that movie, the very first night I worked and I wasn't even scheduled to work. There's a great story behind that, um, where that came from the book. That's really funny. So Mm -hmm. that line precedes me. People go, do you get tired of? Them? I'm like, hell no, I don't get tired. Of them. For those reasons, I had a one night, one off night job in this in Austin, Texas in 1992 that I thought might be a hobby. I get to do for a day, and that's it. 28 years later, I've made a career of it and love it. Now just keep living. That's a line that came to me because five days into shooting days, and who's my father moved on, meaning passed away. And it was my first night back at work after being home dealing with my father's wake and everything. And I was talking with Richard Linklater, the director, and he, and yeah. was, you know, at those times in life, you start to think about what is life about? And I was like, it's about you gotta just keep living, man. It's like my dad, physically, he's not here anymore. So he's not physically alive, but what he taught me, and I can keep his spirit alive, you gotta just keep living, man. And then set it in that scene that night on the football field in Days of yeah. the View, And then have taken it with me because it applies to every situation. There's a just keep living way to look at something and just keep living way to choose. On and everything, and I have not found one predicament, circumstance, or choice in life that the just keep living choice was not the better way to go.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: how about a pandemic? I mean, this is now more than ever, right? Yeah. Well, here we go. And it's it. Look, it, so how do we in this time sit here in this year that we can't wait to have in the rearview mirror that we can't wait to get behind us? How do we? How do we see a, a green light asset, a JK living asset out of this time? Well as awkward and as tragic as it's been, we've got uh, COVID, we've got a cultural revolution. We had all these, we had our lives somewhat politicized in an election year. Um, We don't trust each other. We don't know who to believe. There's no consensus. We don't trust our leadership. Well, how how are you going to find a justly living moment out of that, McConaughey? Well, I think we all can. Mm -hmm. We've been forced to strip down our necessities. We've been forced to ask ourselves inside, what is it we value? Um, I got an 88 year old mother who's spending every single day with her grandkids, which she never would have done before. Incredible! That's an asset. They'll remember this seven months or year or however long it's going to go on until. Um, and we got a chance to look back at this year in the future. I don't know when as actually a tragic year, but a banner year at the same time where we reprioritized what we value. We reprioritize how, how, how we, how we look in the mirror and how we look at others. How we respect ourselves and how we look at others. Where a year where we press reset, where we had to, where political politicians indirectly, hey, what's your purpose? What's your purpose, man? Because I don't get it. Um, Show us your purpose. Redefine what politics is. It could be a banner year in all those ways that we look back, oh, this was the inception year. We needed this rebirth. We needed this disruption to evolve.
1: It's an amazing thing that you have taken a, a Wooderson line, the guy with the car and, and the joints and smelling the fingers, and all, all these years later, he's got wisdom. Like, wisdom beyond that role, beyond everything. It's incredible. Last question about Dazed and Confused, Matthew. It, it, was, it was crazy. People lost their minds when your screen tests went online a few years back, and you could see your initial reading. This is not for a point, but I find this fascinating. Can you tell me, for your screen test,
0: what T-shirt you're wearing to play Wooderson? um tell me uh i glanced at it. i didn't see that i didn't see it but i came up on my screen i saw it yeah i think my sleeves were cut off yep um it's a badass judas choice priest, wait was it judas priest or was it acd you're close it wasn't melon no
1: it was a show on mtv that would feature anthrax and judas priest you <laughs> was, showed up for the audition do you I remember ball Headbanger's Ball. Yeah. yeah, with Ricky Rackman. That's, I mean, I loved Headbanger's Ball. Megadeth and all that great shit. And yeah. that's what you wore for, to show up the audition. Yes. <laughs> Hence, I got the part. That's right. Headbanger's yeah. Ball. That's incredible. All right, Headbanger's Ball. You are two for three. You're moving on to question four. Matthew, your category is herbs and spices. Let's get into our head now. I said you're going to have to find your, your inner major apple white. This might even be V-Y. Matthew, your question. What herb used commonly in American cooking was also used by ancient Egyptians for embalming? Salt. Oh. He says salt. I would say use the 50 50, but you already burned it. This does oh, have I something didn't... to do with your life. <laughs> I'm not sure
0: salt is an herb, and I want to help you. Spice. Okay. Spice. No, it's, spice. I'm looking for an, an herb. herb. Oh, wait, an it's herb commonly used in American cuisine and Egyptian
1: yes. embalm, uh, embalming. That's correct. It's it, back in the day, the Egyptians would embalm with this herb, and right now I can make use like some chicken with this herb. It's everywhere, and it somehow has to do with you. And it somehow has to do with me. Um, yes. It is not marijuana. Not what? It's not marijuana. It is not that. It is an actual cooking herb. Not for brownies.
0: Well, the eucalyptus and balms, but that's not an herb it's not mint. It's not. Uh, wow, wow, wow. Oh. Does it grow in most American gardens? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Time. Matthew McConaughey says time. Is he right? He's right. Time. T-H-Y-M-E. The Egyptians were using that back in the day. I'm at, Why am I asking you about time? A time to kill. Yes. A, a time to kill. I love the movie. I remember seeing it in the theater. If anybody is listening rather than watching right now, I'm wearing the free Carl Lee t-shirt that I've had for years. Matthew, I know that did so much to change your life. There's a legendary casting tale about that movie where you got this Grissom novel and you got Schumacher and you got every, and they could not find Jake Brigance and they looked and they looked and everybody, Brad Pitt and everybody. And it just, it wasn't happening. And somehow they cast the guy from boys on the side, whose last name people were mispronouncing. What do you remember
0: about getting that role and how that happened? Very clearly. Um, I went in to go meet, I got an offer for the role of Freddie Lee Cobb, that role that Kiefer Sutherland played.
1: Okay, this is the I, racist guy who tries yeah, to well, kill Jake Menace. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: And I go in to meet Joel Schumacher on the Warner Brother lot about that role. I was wearing another sleeveless rock and roll t shirt, this time a sleeveless <laughs> Mellencamp t shirt. And I uh-huh, go in cool. there. As right. before, I go, I not only read the script, I read the book. I'm like, after all my own, I'm like, dude, this is a good role, but I want this guy, Jake Brigantz, the lead. Hell yeah. So, I get this plan. I said, I'm going to go meet. Uh, I'm going to go meet with Schumacher about this other role that I've got. We're going to talk about it. And if I can find the right moment, I'm going to try and plant a seed. And so we're in there. And I remember I was smoking cigarettes at the time. And we're talking, about, we're talking about Freddie Lee Cobb. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. And I said, Yeah, I know who this guy is. You know, I knew somebody like this in my hometown, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, All right, great. And I was like, All of a sudden, I was like, Say, uh, who's playing the lead of uh, Jake McGann's? And he goes, uh, I don't know. Who do you think should? And I remember I went, Inhale first. But I was a little nervous. I went, I think I should. And he goes, bah! <laughs> great idea, but that's never happening. You're relatively unknown. We have to have a big name in this. It's not going to happen. Didn't get the part right there, but I planted the seed. Okay. Cause about two month and a half, two months later, everybody else was cast in the movie. Sandra Bullock was cast, the number three at Row Art. She had just had a movie, While You Were Sleeping, come out, which did very well. Huge. So she's already put in there uh, in the third lead. But since she's had that lead, she has a movie that now she can green light a movie. So, whoa, the studio's like, well, we have a little more Moxie that's already cast here in roles. Samuel Jackson's in it. Um, Woody Harrelson was up for the role, but John Grisham had, the writer of Time had approvals, and he yeah. did not, wouldn't approve uh, Woody Harrelson. Uh, they were looking at Kevin Costner, I was told, but they were like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Maybe he's a little too old. All these things are going on as we're creeping to the start date of A Time to Kill, but they don't have the lead of Jay Bagan's. And Joel Schumacher gets the idea, goes, look, I want to call you in for a screen test. We're going to do it on Sunday, Mother's Day. We're going to do this little spot off Fairfax, not on the studio lot, because no matter how well you do, it's still such a long shot that you'll get the role. I don't want it to go on your record that you tried and failed. Ah. great. So I show up. Go in there. It's the final summation. That's that's the, that's the audition. I studied it. I got out first take. Nailed it. Dot to dot. It hit it off. But it was, it was good. It wasn't great. It was good, though. Okay. And then Schumacher says, now throw the script away. Say what you'd say. Threw the script away, and I went off and said things that a lawyer would never say. He would be kicked out of court in contempt of court for saying. Uh, cussed. Spit, got angry, everything, broke a sweat, nailed it. Mm. Um, Schumacher goes, okay, that's it. Moving on. That's plenty. Thank you. That's what I needed. Now I still don't have the part because the studio's got to approve and John Grisham's got to approve.
1: Yeah.
0: About three weeks later, I'm in Pedro Snaggis working on Lone Star in the middle of the desert about midnight. And I get a phone call from John Grisham and Joel Schumacher. And Grisham goes, my, my wife saw the, um, your audition tape. And she said, that's you, John, because the character's based off him as well. Yeah. The studio had approved it. Joel wanted me and said, you want to be Jake McGanns? I said, hell yeah, I do. Oh my gosh. And uh, ran off into the desert, bent down on two knees in front of a full moon and put my hand up and said, thank you.
1: That's beautiful. It's, it's, and I, I love the role. I, I love the scene, the summation. It's interesting, though. You get the role. Oh, shit, I'm the lead in a John Grissom movie. This is it. You're working with Sam Jackson, who's coming off Pulp Fiction. Uh, Kevin Spacey who had won the Oscar, usual suspect. Charles S. Dutton, two Sutherlands in this. I mean, these are veteran film talents, and you're the guy from Boys on the Side. I mean, you were relatively inexperienced. When you show up to set to do these scenes,
0: how did you feel? I was, I mean, I was pretty confident.
1: Yeah. I knew my man.
0: I mean, I knew I knew my man. I knew enough to know. Look, there was was there butterflies? Was there anxiety? Absolutely. Um, but I, I was, I already understood on my own that look, look, I know my guy, I know who Jake Brigantz is. Yeah. And Joel Schumacher's direction throughout this to me, was always like, anytime I'd get too heady, he'd be like, you're, you're Jake to be you overthink of it. You yeah. are Jake. Now the other half is what I learned, which I found to be consistent throughout my career of working with major talented stars. You think, Oh, I'm going to go, this is going to be, I'm going to hear some magic trick. I'm going to learn some like, what? Magic. <laughs> yeah. no one's got a magic trick. Pacino ain't got a magic trick. Spacey ain't got a magic trick. Carly, no, nobody has Anthony Hopkins. They don't have magic tricks. They are prepared and they do the work. And I found that the best actors, which a lot of them may be the most famous and have the most awards, are the easiest to work with mm-hmm. because they're so present between action and cut.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, they don't, teach you the ways of the force on set they're they're prepared and they're professional and they're talented and that's all it takes it's yeah yeah, they're they're
0: like i said the great directors too you know they they have a specific point of view
1: Uh
0: um and they that's and they trust in that point of view they don't make it complicated at all
1: Mm
0: -hmm. they actually make it i found the people that do it the best make it the least complicated is that true yeah. So people overcomplicate, they overdirect. you've run into that too? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, I've worked with many directors who look, when it's going, something, and we could learn this in life too, something's going well, you're getting what you want out of, out of somebody, just sit there and go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let them, let that, don't step in and name it. Don't go, yeah, because you're doing the thing. That they, no, 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 they're doing it. The communication between a director and actor is not what we say to each other. Uh-huh. My communication back to director is what I do in the scene. So, if it's going well to have the great best directors have the confidence to just sit back and either go <laughs> laugh or go moving on, mm-hmm. you know, don't need to overcomplicate things when they're going well.
1: Well, it's going really well for you right now, dude. I mean, in life, I mean, your career, I mean, with the book I mean with wild turkey and right here on 10 questions because you're three out of four. We're hitting the mid-range of this show right now. However, Matthew, I'm going to need a fresh pour of the Wild Turkey for this one, because this one's going to get a little wild. I love this Wild Turkey. I said I was going to hit it. It's real bourbon. None of these, what did you call it? The the, the light marittles or, no yeah. light. <laughs> of, this is the real thing. All right, this is the first time we've ever done this category. We made it up just for you. This category for question five is, what is Kyle playing? What that means is, Matthew, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, much like Jake Brigance in the final summation. And I have an instrument here on the ground. It's kind of an unusual instrument that I play and I'm pretty good at. When you close your eyes, I'm gonna play the instrument. And without looking, please identify for me what instrument that is. You got it? Yeah. Here we go, McConaughey is closing his eyes. I've got the instrument here. And without opening, tell me what instrument this is. This is Matthew McConaughey, what is Kyle playing? It's yeah. a bongo. That was a quick answer. It, it was not, I considered a didgeridoo and a, a banjo. It's a bongo. That's you a bongo. have an, incredible stuff in green lights about bongos as they pertain to you. Matthew, 1999, it's really the stuff of legends. And I mean, tabloid, legend, internet fodder. I want to get the facts right about this. Yeah. So I'm going to read straight from the Associated Press. Okay, yeah. I went and found this shit. All right. yep. October 25th, 1999 Actor Matthew McConaughey Was arrested early Monday During a disturbance at his home In which police said he was dancing naked And playing the bongo drums Fact No mistruths there?
0: That's 100% fact So far okay. What happened that night? Well, there's a very detailed hilarious Story in the book Yes. I was going to tell you this now. We go on for an hour because it's worth the hour, but I'll let you read for the details. So, Texas had played Nebraska Cornhusker Okay. football Saturday, about a new, like an afternoon game. Horns win? Yes. they were okay. Nebraska's undefeated. And and this is 99. Beat, Nebraska was great. This is Tom Osborne, Nebraska, maybe late I think era. It okay. Osborne. So, we okay. beat them, dethroned them off the. All, all right. Time to celebrate. Yeah. Uh, celebrate after the game through Saturday night, through Sunday morning, into Sunday through Sunday, through Sunday night, now into Monday morning, okay. the 19th, which is back that Monday that they were talking about in the AP. Right. And, you know, I guess around 2 o'clock, I decided it's time to wind it on down. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> that means it's let's get some rest. Let's, let's smoke a bowl and put on some Henri de Kange and pull out our drums and have a jam session. Okay. So, um... I open the window, I got this beautiful Jasmine garden in the back, nice breeze blowing through there. I'm tripped down in my birthday suit and I'm gonna have one last jam session here with myself. And I start jamming. And I'm banging away in my bliss, just cruising out of my two day, 36 hour party jaunt. Um, all of a sudden I feel light on my face. I look up, I see light behind the light, two dark dressed objects that were dark blue. So they were policemen. I go to resist arrest very heavily. Um, next thing I know, I've got a knee in my back and a nightstick across my back of my neck and my arms pinned behind me. And this, uh, this particular cop, uh, Ben finds my ID on the coffee table.
1: Okay. And I remember
0: this clear. This is what, one of the things that pissed me off is as he, as he found my ID. He goes, Oh, looky who we got here. And I was like, "Whoa!" now you think you've got a prize, man. So I continued to try and resist. doesn't really work out, but I'm trying. So, now this noise complaint has turned into resisting arrest. Now they got to take me down. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Going to go down. So they go here. We're going to take you down and put some clothes on. I'm very clear at this moment. Adamant. No, no, no. Not putting on any clothes. This is no proof. Clothes. Of my innocence, proof I'm minding my own business. If I put on clothes, it's going to help your story out. No way. So anyway, we get to go and we, we go outside. There's five cop cars. There's 40 neighbors. They try to put a blanket on me again. I'm like, get that damn blanket off me. I want everyone to see I was minding my own business. <laughs> <laughs> and um they take me down, uh bug naked, and they offer me again before I walk up to the front doors of the precinct. You want to put something? I said, Nope, proof of my innocence. Shut up. I'm walking up, about to go through the double glass doors, and out comes this six foot five inmate, I guess. Okay. Or whatever we're gonna call it. He's dressed in his Jail Cottons with a number stenciled in the right hip. And he's got some cotton pants for me. And I know what he's coming to hand me. <laughs> pants. And I look at him and I go, proof of my innocence, man. And he goes, man, we all innocent. You do want to put these on. And something about that it was coming from him instead of the cops. I went, yeah. okay. <laughs> Give me the pants. He went down, knelt down, shimmy on my legs and noosed them around my waist. And, and I went spent nine hours in jail at night, woke up the next morning, not feeling guilty for what I had done, which I had done many times before and have done many times since, but feeling guilty because I was in jail. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you weren't raised to end up in jail. And I, my dad wasn't alive at the point, but I can, I can remember my dad, I could, I could hear my dad saying, it's not about what you did, son, but you got caught. You should have been better at not getting caught. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel good about that. Um, but anyway, when I got out, um, which the whole thing got thrown out on like a $50 fine because the judge and everybody couldn't understand how in the hell it went from noise complaint to resisting arrest. And the cop stories were all kind of muddled and fuddled. So I got out and then the lawyer that was there said, look, I got a getaway car over here in the driveway and I want to see you leave or you can go out to the left and there's a whole lot of press out there. And I went left I go. And I went out left and said something that made everybody laugh, and we all oh, yeah. laughed. And the next day there were Bongo neck T-shirts all over <laughs> Austin.
1: <laughs> so when you went
0: left and you leave jail, what are you wearing at that point? I think I got a, um, a horns uh, T-shirt on, and my neighbor, the lawyer had picked up um a, 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 like a, one of those members only jackets from my neighbor. They nice. dropped it off at jail because they all saw me leave and get in the car naked. So they had dropped off a box of
1: clothes. Close, like Goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people, people have benders. I've had a million myself. You, you, when it's time to crash, you know, you, you go to Denny's or you play video games, or you take a shot. Was that your routine, the jasmine and you take your clothes off and play bongos? Or was that like a one-time no, it's a routine. thing? Just a, just, a, just a great idea. Great
0: idea. Could, would it have worked with the clothes on? Because that changes the yeah, whole story. It, 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 it works with the clothes on, but probably won't. Probably don't. Probably don't play as well. <laughs> now the real surprise,
1: McConaughey, would have been if you closed your eyes and I'm sitting here playing these things naked. <laughs> hey, the cam- the bottom of the camera. You, you, you're, you're what God gave you to down there. Go for it. The last detail, the AP report also says that there was a second man clapping while you danced naked. Where's that guy? Because he's got a book in him. Who's
0: that? There was no second man clapping. <laughs> My buddy was asleep. It already passed out like about six hours earlier. Yes. And he was in the back end of the house. Okay. He was not he. <laughs> <laughs> Because somebody (laughs) clapping. Which, which, I don't know, that kind of
1: makes the story better. (laughs) We got to find that gentleman somehow. (laughs) He's got his own green lights book in him. Oh my gosh. Matthew, uh, you've been incredible and you have a four out of five. You're threatening to break the all-time score right now. But we're moving on to a very difficult category. Question number six, your category is European history. Oh geez. The Renaissance period. Began during the 14th century. In what country did the Renaissance begin? Matthew whistles when he's thinking. I find that fascinating. What do you think? You got no coin toss. Where did the Renaissance begin? What country?
0: Sounds very French, doesn't it? It does. Does. Feels feels sort of uh, like it started in England, though, doesn't it? I don't know. It sounds very French. You're not giving any, any verbal cues over it. <laughs> You're doing too well, dude. Normally, I'm carrying people at this point. Right, I'm going to say this is one of those things where me, and my buddy, like to say, I don't know, but I passed that test. So I'm going to say it was. Um,
1: Right. Conaghy says the renaissance began in France in the 14th century, the renaissance began in Italy, in Italy.
0: Italians, that makes sense. Yeah, you got yeah.
1: Da Vinci and it's interesting.
0: Renaissance. Renaissance. renaissance, renaissance, Renaissance. It started in Italy
1: because they had a lot of wealthy people who could afford the theater and the arts and the sculpture. So that's how it went. That's how it became it. I think at this point, Matthew, and you, you, you've always been so good on this, especially in the book. I think the Renaissance is potentially less famous than the Renaissance. How do you like that term? When you hear Renaissance, is it an, an eye roller? Or are you like, it's fucking
0: funny? Okay. Here's another thing. All right, I'm going to Bourbon. What do you got? I'll tell you why I like the Renaissance. Around, well, I forget what year it was. Anyway, I was at Sundance with the film okay. Mud. I think I had yep. two films there. And I'd done a few films, but I'd just done... Um, Lincoln Lawyer. I just done uh, uh, Killer Joe. Anyway, I was on a bit of a roll coming out of this two-year hiatus where I'd only done rom-coms before for a while, Mm -hmm. and I'm in this. uh, um, People have been saying, "Man, you're on this. You're on this. This this run, man. Oh, you're like everything you're doing. You're knocking it out of the park." And I, my mind thinks very musically, you know. And so I sit down with this uh, in this interview. And this guy says the same thing. He's man, you've been like on a run here, man. Um, you know, this 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 movie, this movie, this movie. It's like a movement. And I went at that moment, I just go, Yeah, you know, I was talking to somebody else uh, earlier today who was interviewing me and they said the same thing and they called it a reconnaissance. And the guy goes, reconnaissance, that's great. And I went, Yeah, it's pretty cool. He goes, Do you like that term? And I go, fits the meter, comes off the tongue pretty easy, fun to say, you know, it's kind of nice. If, if, you know, if I'm putting together a certain album right now, it needs a, needs a the album needs a cool title. Reconnaissance is cool. He's got my connaissance, that's great. Maybe it'll stick. Well, it stuck. <laughs> but what I didn't tell anybody until now is that I was the one <laughs> who planted it. You did? Yeah. I, I said I just came up with it at that point because I was like, it need, this 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 album I'm making needs needs a, needs a cover. It needs yeah. it need, it needs a slug, it needs a bumper sticker, it needs a campaign slogan. And so I threw McConaughey out there, and it stopped. But I couldn't sit there and say in the interview, "I think it should be called McConaughey." People go, "F you, dude! Arrogant prick!" You know. But if I had to say someone else said it, then maybe it would live on. And it did. It's not cool to give yourself a nickname or to make up a name for your own rebirth,
1: for sure. And I know you detail this in the book, Matthew. It's interesting to look at this when, if you were to pull up the McConaughey IMDb credits all through the late 90s and the 2000s, just bang, 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 bang. And you hit Ghosts of Girlfriend's Past. And then there's this gap of two years. And I know a lot of soul searching and a lot of thinking and a lot of strategy went into that gap. Yep. Why?
0: So I've been rolling. my big hits up to that point were the rom-coms and action comedies. And I loved, they were fun to do. And they paid handsomely. I was... But they were re- doing so well that the other any kind of dramas I wanted to do and not getting offered, no matter how big of a pay cut I would take. No, no, not doing that. McConaughey. Well, at the same time, I'm living an endless summer. I'm shirtless on the beach. Paparazzi catch me all the time. So basically, I noticed that, oh, you are rom-com McConaughey and shirtless yep. on the beach McConaughey. And as I said, I was happy with all those rom-coms and have said then and still say now. And those rom-coms are what paid the rent for the houses that I ran shirtless on the beach on. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. So I was enjoying the time, but but it had become such a thing that I wasn't being even thought about or considered for the other type of roles I was looking for. So if I couldn't do what I wanted to do, I said, I'm going to stop doing what I've been doing. Meaning, I'm not going to rebrand. I'm going to unbrand. And I didn't have that term until after the two years. But I Great said time. I'm going to stop doing what I've been doing. And check with my money man. Hey, I have I saved my money. Hey, you saved it pretty well. I said because I might be going without work for a while. He goes, okay. Check with my agent. Yep. You know, shed many a tear with Camilla about the idea because I didn't know if I I didn't know how long I wasn't going to go to work. Yeah. And the first six months of me saying I'm not doing rom coms, the only thing that came in on offer were rom coms. Then after I said no to a $14.5 million offer of a rom-com, I you said think I got fourteen point five. All right. The, they sort of sent the message to anyone that maybe thought I was bluffing that I was not bluffing. <laughs> and they were like, okay, he's, he's not bullshitting here. He's really not doing it anymore. Well, then for 14 months after that, nothing came in nothing. I'd call my agent every week. He's like, buddy, I gotta be honest. I hadn't even heard your name spoken. Yeah. So I was forgotten persona non grata. I'm thinking about, I may start another career. I maybe never work in Hollywood again. Maybe I'll go be a wildlife instructor an orchestra yeah. conductor, a teacher. I don't know, but something else. And then after a total of 20 months of being out, not in your living room or in the theater or on the beach shirtless, you know, where is McConaughey been mm-hmm. after 20 months of that? I suddenly became a new and novel. Hey, you know, it'd be a good idea for lawyer. You know, it'd be a bright idea or kind of really interesting casting for Killer Joe, Matthew McGuire, you know. Then I did Mud, I did Bernie, I did Detective, I did Magic Mike, I did Dallas Buyers Club and went on a uh, run just started of voraciously attacking those sort of more dramatic roles that, 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 that I was looking for.
1: It's fascinating. I, I, I just have a few a few questions. And what a decision! What a, what a, what a choice strategically! When you say those roles that you wanted, they weren't going to me. They were going to other guys. Who who are the other guys? Are these? Is this is this
0: Leo? Is this
1: Ed Norton? Like who are the
0: guys? Yeah, yeah. guys like that. Yeah. I mean, they were going to them. They were going to uh, um, those guys. They were they were dramatic roles. That maybe though they wouldn't have specifically done, but even if they were roles that that are scripts that I wanted to do, that maybe they wouldn't have got done. I they were ones that even if I pulled out an independent that I was like ah oh. sure, and I'd done some at that time. That was They were acting roles. They were roles that weren't all leads either. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were like playing that playing that playing the dark character, the bad guy. But they were all different kind of outsiders. Um, that sort of live by their own legend and their own constitution. Um, you know, it's the stuff, Yet, yeah, that Leo, Ed, Brad Pitt, all, all those guys were getting offered at least to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was not even in the consideration mm-hmm. of those. Um, and you know, like I said, even before that 20-month period, if I wanted to do those for a major pay cut, studios were going, nah. And I think the audience was probably going, nah, we love him as the rom-com guy, and I'm not, a, I don't, don't make me switch over and think of him as that. So. That that can happen sometimes when you do something that succeeds a lot. You can look over and go, oh, did it cancel out the opportunity of believing me in this other type of role? So yeah, that's why I took off all that time.
1: I think that it, the real crux of it that's fascinating for me is why not keep that life? You're living on the beach, you have a beautiful family, make a movie or two a year, take a ton of money, get the girl at the end. Why, what was it about you that said, I, I can't keep doing this because that is yeah. a great
0: life that you worked real hard for. Why not yeah. keep doing it? Good question, really good question. Trust me, you sound like my, sound like my two brothers and my mother. Yeah, what, right. You, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you mentally vegetating here, paralysis, analysis buddy, Come on. <laughs> 14.5, Matthew, do the movie, get the girl. What are you talking about, you know? Um, so my life at that time, I was falling in love with Camilla. Okay. And we had just had our first child. Man never feels more masculine than after the first child. I Meaning so here. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. You got children. I got two kids, yeah, boy and a girl. After that first one, man, it's the time to triple down on any instinct you got <laughs> because you're now immortal. And your head and your heart are clear. And it's not a macho thing, it's a masculine thing. And so, but my life was very vital, man. I was laughing harder, uh, crying harder, loving harder, getting angrier harder, but yet. The roles of the rom-coms were very compressed emotion. The ceiling and the basement on, on the emotions of a rom-com actor are very compressed, So sure. they have to stay buoyant. They have to sort of bounce from cloud to cloud. You can't yell that loud. Oh, geez, the it's over. The movie's over in 10 minutes. Yeah. The, the audience won't believe you'll ever make it back. You can't laugh that loud or be, or be that overly happy because it's like, well, wait, <laughs> no, down. you know I mean? But dramas allow that sort of the, that really wide threshold and high ceiling and bottomless basement of the emotions of the actor that takes the role. Well, I was being that guy in my life, but I said, oh, my life feels so much more vital than the, the stories I'm acting in. The man I am in my life feels so much more alive than the man I am in the movies. And I remember looking in the mirror going, well, if it's gotta be one way or the other, McConaughey, at least it's that way, because the other way would suck, right? Yeah. But I said, well, I at least want to try and do work that can challenge the vitality that I'm feeling in my life because I'm feeling a bit neutered, a bit pulled back when I'm going to do some of the work that I've been doing in the rom-coms. I'm not able to express myself fully. And so that's what it was. It was, just, it was sort of a choice for my own soul to go, I dare you. I dare you, see if you, can See if you can hold out and maybe you can get work doing what kind of work you want to do. And maybe you don't. Maybe you have, maybe you have to find another job, but let's find out.
1: God damn, that's so cool. And I gotta tell you, as a fan of your work, I'm so thankful you made that choice because making that choice, we got to get true detective. And you know, I all didn't right. need Made Manhattan 2, remade in Manhattan, I, I didn't want a true detective. So thank you for making that choice
0: damn and up. thank
1: you for kicking so much ass on this show, dude. We're going to question number seven, we're cruising. I'd love to talk about this all day because you're fascinating, we gotta get moving. Question number seven, your category is who's doing McConaughey? Matthew, there was a period with late-night shows where I think the producers of those shows would just go to the guest and be like, Hey, do you do a McConaughey impression? Great, that's all we need. (laughs) That was it. It was like, I don't care about you or what you're plugging. Do you do a McConaughey impression? If so, you can go on our show. I got two of them here. I'm going to play you two of them. And you got to get both for the point. These are two actors doing McConaughey impressions on late-night shows. You will hear one directly after the other. If you get them both, you get the point. Play both clips back-to-back, please. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I see a lot of
0: lovely ladies in the house tonight. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I pour a game, sit down, play a little ball, maybe break a sweat first. Have the kids, children, family, intentions. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks. Intentionality with the football. <laughs> Passing it down the line. It's a great game, great game. Great invitation to the world. i've never heard the Hathaway one that was great that was matt damon and hathaway all right here's what's crazy matthew
1: was that damon and hathaway oh whoa you know who the first one was no don't tell me it wasn't damon i dicked you dude i'm sorry i feel bad i knew you were gonna think it was damon it was not damon It's a sort of Matt Damon looking guy who's a little younger and you've worked with him and he dances really well. Timothy Chalamet? (laughs) I love love Chalamet. Older than Chalamet. (laughs) You were in a movie in which uh, women lust over and touch your body and you gyrate your hips with this gentleman. He's magic. Yeah. Channing? Channing. Channing's good impersonator. Way to go, Channing and Hathaway. Um, we mentioned Anne Hathaway. This past weekend, my wife and I—we have never seen Interstellar before—and we watched it. And holy shit, you are good in that movie. I, I mean, I mean that completely earnestly. It was unbelievable. I want to talk to you specifically, quickly, about the one scene. Now this scene has become you know, a meme and a gif, and it is a scene in which if you haven't seen the movie, Matthew's traveling through space and he leaves his family behind. And after him, them not seeing him for many, many years, they send him videos. And Matthew does the most raw thing an actor can do is sit there, watch the videos of his children and react. And I'm sitting there bawling on the couch. My wife is bawling. I was so unbelievably moved by your reaction in those scenes. I mean, it was goosebumps what went into those Matthew? How how did you get to that place where you performed
0: like that Great question? And you've actually kind of given the answer. Um, well, you probably didn't even know it. Um, but you said it in your question a couple of times. So that was a Monday morning. Um, first shot up. Okay. Uh, it's not a scene about knowing the dialogue. It's not about saying the right word. It's about reacting, which is the word you just used. Um, I got to go into that and just say, relax and get ready to receive. Now here's the trick. And I did this with the final summation and the time to kill with Joe Schumacher. Mm -hmm. I walk in and I'm pretty much in my, on those I'm in my own zone. I'm not looking anybody else in the eye. I'm in my own zone to receive whatever that's going to happen in the scene. And I hear, and I have something in my hand written in case I need it. And then I hear Nolan start to go, okay. We're gonna set up cameras over here's wide and here's wide. And then we'll rehearse it one time. We'll play the video. And I just kind of walked over with that look and I'm kind of bumping, he goes, yeah. And I hand him this thing. It's a piece of paper that has two letters on it. C U, which means close up. So he goes, that's me letting him know, no, don't do the wide shots and on this. We're getting close now. And he goes, all right, we'll rehearse. And I just look up and I go, which is what I mean by going, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't rehearsing, live, roll. And what you see in that take, that's the, that's the first tape. Mm-hmm. Everything after take one is acting. Take one is where you really are reacting. And so I wanted to see that tape of the footage of my children in the movie for the first time. Not have any anticipation of what's going to come next or what they're going to say next. Or I wanted to, and, and, and just receive it and then let happen what happens. I'm not trying to do anything in that scene. Well, after you do one take and you know, take two and take three, we're okay. But we were like, take one. That's it. Cause what are you going to do now? Take three or any anything after take one, take two and on, you can't help but kind of know what's coming <laughs> And then you start to anticipate a little bit and sure. get ahead of yourself and go, oh, this is when they're about to say that thing, which really got me last time. We well, you're already out of the moment. Yep. So that's take one.
1: It's amazing. And I, it occurred to me after I watched it. I think the reason it resonated, especially right now, you know, you mentioned your mother with her grandchildren. That scene where you're in space and you can't see your children, you're watching video of them. There's millions of people going through that right now in the world. Yeah. We have grandparents, that scene is essentially a grandparent looking at a Zoom session with their grandchildren that they haven't seen in a year. It's aunts and uncles who haven't seen their loved ones in a year. It's it's brothers and sisters who haven't yeah. seen each other right now in 2020. And I think that's why I started crying. And I know wow. this was years ago before COVID, but that scene that you lived, the world is going through that right now.
0: That's interesting, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but you're absolutely, yeah, you're right to an extent, yeah. Um, and we'll see. Some people are gonna have that reaction when they get reunited. I know. And we'll go back and re-engage. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And 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 you watch them. I always say this about acting. If you get to be an I, or you are the subject, yeah. if there's someone that you haven't seen and you get reunited with them and you so do you so dearly miss them and you're feeling think about whatever it is, all yeah. the things you lost and didn't see. No actor can do be any more true than how you feel in that moment when it happens First take one take life's one take one take you watch that's why I love documentaries. If you see documentaries with people actually reacting not trying to perform, the acting gets no better than that that's life. you cannot improve you can do a different version. But you can't improve on that someone's real reaction. So some millions of people who do get reunited and have a similar reaction as I did, they will be doing, I I was actually doing, working off a script. They'll be working off a live script. And and nobody can be acting any better than they are.
1: It's The best there is. That was take one on Monday morning from and Interstellar. We have three questions left. You're four out of seven. Question number eight, your
0: category is award
1: show. In 2014, who won the primetime Emmy? for outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Bam, easy. Cranston. He says Cranston, referring to Brian Cranston. Is he right? (laughs) Goddamn right he is. Walter White, uh, you were there. Harrelson was there. It was a loaded category and you lost to Walter White for your role in True Detective. Dude, True Detective was about the most badass thing of the decade. Before we start to talk in here, I rewatched the six minute tracking shot through the slums and the robbery. It's the coolest thing ever. What do you remember about that night? Those many nights, I'm sure. What do you remember about that shot? dude? Here's what I remember after we shot it.
0: Yeah. Is that when I was in Kerry Fukunaga's office in New Orleans, four weeks before we even started production. Okay. That tracking shot, mapping that out about how it might could possibly go was on his wall. Now, we didn't shoot that shot until three months later. We were already two months into shooting when we came across that scene. So it was already, he was working on planning that out. Now, I remember this. We would go, starting about a month before that shot, on the weekend, we'd take a couple hours and go out, take the script, a whole production crew, because there lost so many moving parts. Yeah. Special effects, he was putting up the squib, Actors, uh, stunts, helicopters, timing. It's got to be so coordinated with a camera going through it. And we would walk through it in kind of 80s calling out shots. And then Rustin goes this and he goes down, shot squib goes off over his head, make sure he lowers before the squib goes off because blah blah blah. take the pipe, it was, we're walking through it, calling out the shot. Then I'm walking through it. When I had to go through those things, I start calling out, try to make music, try to make, try to get the choreography like music. It's a seven minute scene. Well, we get there to shoot it Uh, That night, after many weekends of rehearsing it, and first take goes pretty well. We can do better. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth (laughs) take. Now, my my whole wardrobe—you wouldn't know I was sweating because there were no sweat marks. Because there was nothing dry. It's like you can't tell if you're sweating if you dunk your clothes in water. Right? right. They just become a darker shade completely. (laughs) And I'm dripping, but we're going to... And we get back up. I think it was the seventh take, I think. Come in, barge in that living room. There's a guy over here supposed to swing the barrel of a gun at a guy. As he swings it, you hear the other guy, oh, like like he connected a little bit. And just see connected. Why am I even noticing that? I should be in the scene enough where I don't even notice that because it's live. Well, then I go... And I, and I, and I go to, you know, spin and go down, but I kind of slip, but the squib goes off anyway, right at my ear. And I just go, whoa, 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 time, 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 time. And everybody's just wasted tired. And I remember we go, and you know what? It became a consensus right there on set that we need to call it because something, we're about to have a mistake. Everyone's so fatigued. We don't want to take that chance. And then Carrie looked at Stephanie, goes, you know what? I got it. I got it. I think it was a take four or the one or the one previous from six, but we had it. And that's what's in the mood. Oh that's what we said.
1: Absolutely electric. Thank you for making that. I mean, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. We have two questions left, Matthew. We're gonna finish strong. I want you to get both of these. All right. Okay. This last one, question number nine. This category is finished. This lyric. I know you like to think in terms of music and albums. I'm gonna play you a song, popular song that I'm sure you've heard. It's going to play and it's going to stop. And when it stops, you have to finish what the vocalist is going to say. Here we go, Matthew McConaughey, as I'm going to pour yet another little, little dollop of wild turkey, which is beautiful. Finish this lyric.
0: You say me I don't talk enough, but when I do, I'm full. These times i said I've realized, I'm going to shoot through and leave you the things you say. Your past runs just give you away the things. irresistible
1: <laughs> I love your spirit is it you're irresistible oh, no hang on hang on Hang on! that was to myself alright that was to himself I won't count that Matthew would you like to would you like to rectify these
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, booze, get out of here I was singing to myself give me a second uh, take a moment do your whistling beat your chest your <laughs> sound
1: Take you away. The things you say. Dun. Unbelievable. That's class. the answer. He says he's positive. Now, I'm going to play the answer. Is it irresistible or is does no. he get the point by saying unbelievable? Unbelievable. That's man. You're unbelievable. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. That was dicey, dude. That was really dicey. And I'm going to give it to you. Why am I playing you this song? This is one of my favorite McConaughey takes. And I know you got great takes and you have such an incredible intellect, but you fucking hate the word unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Tell so us cool. why, why do you hate the word unbelievable? All right,
0: it's so silly. It's such a kind <laughs> <laughs> But I love it. I'm here for yeah. this. Look. so what do you mean it's unbelievable? It just <laughs> happened, all right? Whether to the upside of something incredible and awesome in life that you are going, what an unbelievable sunset. What an unbelievable run back for the touchdown. What an <laughs> unbelievable performance. What are you talking about? Would you ever give a little more credit to what life can give? It happened. It's there. It's real. It's not unbelievable. It is awesome, but it ain't unbelievable. Believe it. It's right there. Now, other things. Oh, my gosh, this COVID time, this tra- tragedy. Uh, uh, people, you know, and that guy, he was so mean. And and, and, and there there's this kind of ism in the world and there's that kind of ism. And I just, I mean, the the torment and that the hurricane, it's just unbelievable. No, it's not. It just happened. Stop saying unbelievable. It's, (laughs) stop it. Because it's just like, you know, get on with it. It, it, It's, we're denying the extraordinary things that can happen in life. We're denying the most banal things that, that, that the evil that mankind can possess. You know what I mean? It's like we need to own up uh, to both of those sides—the lows and the highs. They are not unbelievable. And to finish that off, that there's one thing. Especially when people say this about other people, oh, I can't believe he did that. It was unbelievable. <laughs> there's one thing that we can depend on: people being—it's people. It ain't—they they ain't unbelievable. They, They're—we're tri- <laughs> tricky monkeys, man. <laughs> so so they, they, none of it unbelievable. <laughs> It's it's I love that take, I'm so glad we got that in. Six out of
1: nine, the last question. Matthew, you can finish with a seven out of 10, which is a beautiful score. Question number 10 is always our essay. I find something that you believe in or have done or have stand for, and I give you 30 seconds to just have the floor in and justify it, basically an essay form. If I feel like I'm convinced, I give you the point. If I'm not, you get nothing. Let's settle this once and for all. You don't believe in wearing deodorant. Convince us why you are justified in doing
0: so. Well, one, as we've come to know, most deodorants are not good for you. The under your arms is an actual pore, large pore, which you can ingest chemicals from, all in the name of a bit of vanity to say, hey, I'd like to smell like somebody else other than myself. No. Um, also, women, people that I like, I, I, What's your normal formula? I don't want you smelling like somebody else's name that's on the bottle of that lady who made that perfume for their body. I don't want that on my girl. No, 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 no. It's like, I hope you don't want me with certain cologne on me that's telling you, going, oh my gosh, you really smell like Chanel. No, my name is Matthew, actually. I, you can go over to Chanel if you want to smell like Chanel. All right, so, so they... Uh, um, Deodorant, if you're drinking enough water, mm-hmm, you, you know, it should be all right. The sweat's okay. It's not going to have too much of a scent. It's going to run somebody else. Now, if you're not, I understand you might want to grab yourself a salt rock and call reset under the old armpits of there from time to time. But no, thank you. Uh, I, don't, I don't really want someone else's uh, scent on me or on my loved one's noses. You, you admit that O'Day McConaughey, that is your scent.
1: That is the scent God gave you. And believe me, it is believable. And so is this. Matthew, you have finished the 10 questions. An unbelievable effort. You are out of here with a 7 out of 10. We learned so much, dude. What a kick-ass performance by you. I have only one last thing to ask you. It, it happens at the end of every episode. There's a call-out. Where you look into someone that you know, that you've worked with, that is friends of yours and say, I challenge you to come on the 10 questions and try to beat my 7 out of 10 score. Matthew, all the people that you know in your life that you put together, this incredible Rolodex and group of friends, who do you think should come on here and compete with your 7 out of 10? Maybe like a Vince Young versus a Matt Leiner type deal.
0: Well, You know, it'd be a lot of fun. Tell me. Well, I'm pretty sure... I don't know if he's going to get five out of 10. You got a seven, my friend. I got a seven, but or he, he might surprise me. You ought to have Woody Harrelson. I fucking love it. I that love Woody. Be, that, that would be some stories. And I'd like to see how his old recall works.
1: <laughs> so look to the camera and just say, what's up, Woody? Come on here and challenge my seven out of 10.
0: Yo, Wood, Wood, made a seven out of 10. You know, I mean, hey, that's still a passing grade, making Cs. Like I said in the book, man, I'd rather be an experienced C than a, an than a, than a, than a, than a ignorant A, you know what I mean? Because, you know, all the A's work for the C's. If I'd have made a 7 out of 10, you could come and make a 6 out of 10. That would be failing in today's, but if you go back to the 80s, they were still giving D's, and you'd still be passing. So if you can get 6 out of 10, not even 7, I challenge you to get 6 out of 10, just a passing grade. Come on, answer
1: 10 questions. Let's go get Woody or Wood as Matthew calls his brother. That's it, Matthew McConaughey, you were unbelievably cool. You lived up to all the hype. I've watched you creating your art for years. It has made my life better. It has made my family happier. Thank you so much. And just promise me one thing, Matthew, promise me you will just keep living. I'm gonna do my best,
0: Kyle. Let's do it every day, huh?
1: Incredible. Matthew McConaughey, please look into Wild Turkey with thanks, which kicks so much ass. I finished damn near a quarter of the bottle. Go to Instagram's, Wild Turkey on Instagram, and please get McConaughey's book. One more time up top, Matthew. I love oh, you, brother. So nice yeah. to meet you, and so thank you for doing this. That is Matthew Appreciate McConaughey. We will see you next time on 10 Questions, my friends. 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co-production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, Noah Malale, Steve Allman, and Jackson Safan. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord.